Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. That's what the whole thing is about. Christ, our Savior, has been born. Christ the Savior of all mankind, Christ the Savior of man and woman alike, Christ the Savior of adult and child was born and on Christmas we come together to remember the divine birth of our Savior, the divine birth of our King that came out of heaven and wrapped himself in the very form of the creation that he spoke into existence and stepped out of the place of eternity and into the confinements of space and of time and of flesh and of blood and was born to be among us, we remember that Christ, our Savior, was born to us. And over the last several weeks, if this is your church family, we've been looking at one verse of scripture and we've been remembering these different portions of what it means that Christ was born to us. We remember that it brings us great joy and that there is joy for everyone and joy is the announcement that comes when Christ is born. And we remember that we come to worship him, that when Christ was born, there was worship that swelled up in the hearts of the wise men who came and of the shepherds who came, that they knelt before him to worship this new born king. We remember that there was a star that rose in the sky, a light that announced to anyone who knew how to understand the symbol and the emblem of its announcement that it meant that the Savior had finally been born, that the Messiah had come into the earth. And on this Christmas Eve, I want us to remember what it means that that the born King came to be among us. Let's look one more time at Matthew chapter 2. Hopefully not one more time in your lifetime, but one more time maybe in this year. We'll look at Matthew chapter 2 starting in verse 1. It reads like this. It says, And now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea and the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they were saying, Where is the one who has been born? King of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. God, on this Christmas Eve, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you that you came into earth. We thank you for your existence. And we acknowledge the holiness of who you are, the grandeur of who you are. And we say that like these wise men, we have come to worship you. And we have come to bow down and acknowledge this Christmas that you are the one who was born king, that the savior of the world came. And that without you, God, we had no access back into the throne room of heaven, but because the king came, all of us too could come back into relationship with God. We celebrate you. In Jesus' name, amen. Births are a funny thing. 
across every culture, across every time, even across your own family, I'm sure if we went around, we could talk about the different types of protocols and the different traditions that exist between cultures and between families around what happens when someone is born, when a new life comes into the earth. And some of these traditions stand from generation on generation, and some of them develop organically without any announcement, but it just becomes what's done. I was remembering when my very first niece was born. She's the oldest of all of the grandkids in that generation. And because none of them had been born before, the night she was born was total confusion amongst all of her aunts and uncles because we had not yet established any family protocols for what was to be done when a new baby was born. We get a message that they're going to the hospital and all of us are in complete confusion. Like, are we supposed to, are we supposed to be coming? Are we supposed to be telling other people? Should we leave what we're doing now? Who's going? Are the parents going? Are the grandparents going? Who's all supposed to be there? Are we supposed to be bringing gifts? Are we not supposed to be? What are we doing as a family where we had zero preparation for what was happening? I am proud to announce that we are now 10 kids deep on that side of the family and we know exactly what to do every time a new baby is born. In fact, we've now moved to the stage where we're like, that's cool, just let us know when they start walking, okay? Like we have too many of these kids. But traditions that happen across different cultures and especially traditions that happen around royal births are steeped from generation to generation. There are all kinds of things when royalty comes into the earth, when those who are of royal lineage are born, about the way that this has to be done and the traditions that have to be admired and the things that everyone has to come alongside. There are things like the way the umbilical cord has to be cut, has to be done with a specific ceremonial dagger that's been used for centuries on centuries. There are things like the clothing that they wear has to be certain clothing that's been passed down from generation to generation generation. There are even traditions like public viewings of royal births where they wanted to verify that the baby that was being stated to be the royal new baby was in fact the royal new baby. So when this poor woman went into labor, they would call dozens of people to come into the labor chamber and watch her give birth so that they could verify that the baby was exactly who they said it was. There are even traditions and statements about where royal births have to happen and the residences and the places that they need to be born in royal chambers and royal residences in certain rooms so that all of the right customs and all of the right things can be observed. But when Jesus is born, he's not born and put in royal clothing, a family heirloom, he's wrapped in swaddling cloths that were likely intended for the sheep, that were in the borrowed manger, not a royal palace, where he was born. And he was born hidden in a small town that had been announced to be the place where the Savior would come from, but he was hidden in obscurity. He wasn't following royal traditions that would declare to everyone who saw him, yet when the wise men came to find him, they said, where is the one who was born king? 
They said, we've come to find the one who is the king. We've come to find the one who was born king. And we don't need a family heirloom for him to be wearing. And we don't need a royal residence for us to know that it's true. We saw the star in the sky and we have come to find the one who has been born king. And how is one even born a king? Kings are not born. Kings are made. Kings are grown into. It's a position, an office. It's not a place for an infant or a place for a baby to say this is the born king. There are really two ways that one can become a king. The first way is probably the most obvious. You become king through lineage, through a family line that says your blood is of royal birth. And Jesus, no doubt, came from a royal line. His earthly lineage could be tracked back to the throne of David, who was known to be the king who was the king of all of Israel. He is the hero king of all of the stories. And Jesus could track his earthly lineage back to the lineage of David. And spiritually, he could track his lineage straight to the throne room of heaven, where he was there before all of creation. And there in the beginning and he was the one who was and is and is to come so in earthly form and in heavenly form he is no doubt of a royal lineage but even if you are of a royal lineage you are not born king you are born an heir you are born a prince you are not born to be king you are born in a state that is waiting to yet be revealed but when the magi came they said we've come to find the one who was born king and the other way that you become a king is through overthrow if you overpower the king that currently exists and you say, I've come to exert a force and I've come to exert a better or a different vision for the future than the one that I currently see existing, then you can overthrow a king that is currently in power and therefore take that throne and become the one who ascends to a kingly throne through overthrow. And no doubt Jesus is one who came to overthrow ruling powers and to overthrow a force that was reckoning with earth and that was causing travail on the earth and holding his people in bondage but it wouldn't look like anybody thought that it was going to look and it wouldn't sound like gunshots and armies and it wouldn't sound like battles in the streets in the way that others had assumed that it would he came to overthrow but not in the way that they assumed that he would but even still overthrow is the work of a fully grown man. Overthrow is not the work of a baby lying in a manger. Yet, when the Magi came, they said, we have come to find the one who is born king. There was something in the Magi that recognized something in Jesus, that though he was in his infant form, they saw him for who he truly was. They saw him for everything that he came to accomplish. I wonder for you, who was the last person that looked at you and saw you for the fullness of what God created you to do, that saw in you the fullness of the fruit that will one day come 
come out of your life. Though it exists in seed form, everyone needs someone who can come to them and say, I know that it hasn't grown to everything that it will one day be, but when I look at you, I see the purpose that God sent you into the earth for. When I look at you, I see the fullness of why he designed you and created you and what he sent you into the earth for. Is there someone in your life that when they look at you, they do like the wise men and they say, it may just be an infant form of who you will one day be, but I see how God created you. And when the wise men came to look at Jesus, they said, we see the fullness of what God sent you into the earth for. They say, we see everything that you have been designed for and created for, lying in a manger, yet still fully king, wrapped in these swaddling clothes, yet still fully born to be king, hidden in a back small town somewhere, yet fully born to come to be king, wrapped in being held in Mary's arms, yet fully the one who was born king. Because make no mistake that Jesus came into the earth with a purpose. He came into the earth with an intention. He came with something that he had to do. God sent Jesus out of heaven and into earth for a express design and a reason. The prophet Isaiah told us about it when he wrote in his letters. In Isaiah 9, it might be familiar. It says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And it's the zeal of the Lord of hosts that will do this. Jesus came into the earth as an infant with a purpose and his purpose was to establish his kingdom. He came into the earth as a king ready to establish his form of governance, his form of rule, his way of living. Though he's a baby lying in a manger, he is still a king coming to announce that there is a new way of living that is coming. There is a new way of being that is coming. I am a king and I have come with an announcement that there is a new kingdom that is coming to rule. When a new kingdom is established, what happens is that the kingdom becomes established and everyone who was in the previous kingdom that now has been absorbed and enveloped into the new kingdom becomes subject to the new way of living that the, new, that the king has established. And for a kingdom to be established, for a king to see a new place and say, I've decided to make that region, that territory part of my everlasting kingdom,